This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tallboys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tallboys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking hell, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! All right, welcome into another excellent edition of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. My name is Rob. I'm Dylan. I'm Bo. Cheers, guys. And today is a great day because we are joined by Leah Van, who is a beat reporter for the CR Gazette. So welcome, Leah, to our podcast. We're happy to have you to talk some Hawkeye sports, Hawkeye football. Thank you all for having me, and uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, you guys. So, so, Leah, I hear you're a Texas Longhorn super fan. How did that come up? How did that come up? I went to undergrad there. Okay. And, Yeah. So, so is, is your alliance still with the Longhorns then, or are you a Hawkeye through and through yet? I'm with the Longhorns. Come on, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I report on the Hawkeyes. Yeah. I'm not a Hawkeye fan. Now, that being said, I would not be mad if the Hawkeyes had a really good season, like took me to the Rose Bowl or something, you know, like trying to manifest that, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We need so you to you, manifest that. I was going to yeah. say, you remember Vince Young running it in? At the Rose Bowl versus USC, you don't. You know, it's funny. I um, I went to bed because it was past my bedtime, <laughs> so I actually didn't get to see that moment. But I saw it on the front page of the newspaper the next day, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I missed that!" And I think they showed it last year during the pandemic. They did like a rerun of the whole game, and I was like, "Wow!" I just realized, like, I've actually never gotten to see this moment. Because <laughs> it was past my bedtime. Like, I had a really strict mother. Um, I mean, if you didn't guess it plays on loop on Longhorn Network, like, all the time. And you'll, like, pass by it in the gym on campus. But, yeah. It's, like, one of the greatest college football games of all time, for sure. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Hands down. Absolutely. So, how, do you, how do you feel about the move to the SEC? I'm all for it. I'm all for it, y'all. I mean, it's the best business move. It's the best recruiting move. It's, I mean, yeah, like, is Texas going to get their, you know, ass handed to them um, the first, like, couple of years? Absolutely. Um, but is it going to be long-term the better solution? Yes, because it worked for AM. I hate to admit that, but I'm being a real, like, this is a real analysis here, right? And the fact of the matter is that they're taking a lot of those in-state recruits that they didn't used to take because they went to the SEC. It's a better brand of football, period. 100% right. So we're going to get into a lot of things today. Uh, we, this is our first episode for the 2021-22 season. Um, so we are going to go through and preview, you know, a little bit about, you know, what the schedule looks like, what our predictions are, 
players look out for. Leah's going to help us along the way with her inside information of all things that have to do with, you know, things that we may not know about. And, uh, and I think she even mentioned that she might have some uh, insight on our first opponent, which would be the Indiana Hoosiers. Yep. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know if it's that much inside information, but, you know. <laughs> sure. So, so we can go ahead and get into it, guys, if it, uh, without further ado. I don't know if there's any other questions. So where are you from originally in Texas, actually, Leah? Yeah, I'm from the Fort Worth area. Um, so that's North Texas, so west of Dallas. And I went to high school in a town that's a little bit southwest of Fort Worth, and it's called Alito. So, yeah. Okay. Alito, Texas. Nice. Alito, Texas. I think I've been to the airport around there. That's about it. DFW? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, what, and I got family in Watauga. You familiar with that town? I'm actually not. That's Watauga, shocking. Watauga. I know a lot of Texas towns. Yeah, they're like 10 minutes from the airport, if that helps, but that's about all I know. I feel like Texas, tell me if this is wrong, Leah, but I feel like people from Texas are always like, oh, that's like 10 miles from like this town, which is over in the western part of Texas. Like everyone knows like <laughs> where to get somewhere by what roads and where they're at is that true yeah and but also we don't like measure things by miles we measure things by minutes so like people be oh. like oh well how many miles away is like dallas from fort worth i'm like oh it's like 30 minutes and because like all our speed limits are like 65 plus right so it's like oh it's just like a 10 minute drive down the road and it's like you're talking about a town that's like 10 miles like you know like several miles away so I think that's the running joke is like, I hate when I moved out of state, I've gone all these places like, oh yeah, it's like 25 miles Southwest of this place. I'm like, so like how many minutes, you know, like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> We're pretty simple over here in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, we had some fall practices start. We had media day already. Um, so I guess we can kind of kick it over to, uh, to begin here. Um, to Dylan, I guess if you have some, uh, you know, initial thoughts on what we're looking at as far as this season's uh, squad. <clears throat> Just in general, or are we talking fall practice? What we've heard there? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to get into fall practice. I want to look at um, start there and then kind of just go through this. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, and I know Bo can touch a little bit on this too, but uh, we call ourselves the fans with sources for a reason <laughs> because we have several sources within the Hawkeye football program. Love and it. what we've been hearing, and Bo can attest to this too, is that uh, redshirt freshman Mason Richmond has all but locked himself up a left tackle spot uh, over Jack Plum. So that's kind of the big, big breaking news that I had right off the top of my head. Um, as far as that goes, you know, we got a lot of true freshmen that we got to look into too that are coming in that uh, enrolled early. So you look at Arlen Bruce, originally out of the Kansas City area, played his high school senior year in Ankeny, uh, Keegan Johnson, another one. Uh, we'll expect big things with him at that wide receiver spot. Um, gosh, who else have we been hearing about? Well, what have you heard? Well, to start at the O-line, O-line sounds like we're going to be uh, shifting around a lot of guys from what I've heard anyway. I mean, the, the only lock we know right now is that Tyler Lennerbaum's at center and 
Nick DeYoung's at right guard or sorry, right, right tackle. Best center in the country. So um, it's not close. We've heard a lot of things about, I mean, everybody knows about Shooter breaking his foot, bailing hay. The most classic Iowa thing ever. I was going to say, Leah, what were your initial thoughts when you heard an Iowa football player, you know, hurt his foot bailing hay? I thought it was like the most on-brand thing to happen <laughs> in the history of like on-brand like Iowa football <laughs> things. And I think even Kirk Ferentz like laughed a little bit when he was telling us. And I was like, okay, so if Kirk Ferentz is laughing, then I can laugh. Like I'm allowed to laugh because I was sitting there like trying to keep my mouth like sealed shut. Like, cause I was like, I am going to burst out laughing and I don't want to laugh at somebody getting injured. Right. But mm -hmm. he'll get better. You know, he's going to heal. It's going to be fun. heal. Huh? Yeah. It's gonna be fun. Mm -hmm. and thankfully he'll hopefully only miss one game. Sounds like he may be back for week two. So that's, that's obviously super promising. I, I don't know if he'll be back for week two, but I think he'll be back at least by mid season. At least it's what, uh kirk was saying at media yeah. day because you got you got to think he's got to like rehab it a little bit get in shape and earn a spot back honestly i mean yeah, justin Britt's right behind him too and mm -hmm. and you've got some other guys that might want to take the reins it's a competitive position well and there's a lot of a lot of key freshmen coming up too so that's that's big time huge a lot of young faces on that interior offensive line so that's great to see you know you think of guys like tyler ellsbury our boy you know, that we're obviously rooting for, but then Bo Stevens, another one who not necessarily in the two deeps yet, but one to keep your eye on too. So a lot of guys in there that can step up and the opportunities there. And Leah, you can attest to this too, but I think the biggest thing coming out of that, the fall practice, and then obviously the kids day is that all the playmakers we have. So obviously not only, you know, Tyler Goodson and, and Gavin Williams, but also uh, the other Williams, I'm blanking on his name right LaShawn. now. LaShawn. Dude, LaShawn, LaShawn looks legit. Like he looks, he looks ready to go. He looked awesome. And I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, I think the, uh, I was talking to uh, Liddell Betts and he said that there's, there's a chance he's going to see some playing time like on the field this year. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see all of those backs. I think they're going to be a good group. And then like, then like Dylan said too, you got Arlen Bruce and then Keegan Johnson. Sounds like Keegan Johnson's already big 10 ready to play on top of Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, and some of our other playmakers we had last year. But I mean, it's just really exciting to hear all the potential we have and all the talent we have. And then on top of that, the leadership that those seniors and juniors are really showing to those young guys that are, are going to make this program really good for the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if we were talking about this last year, you know, to end the season, you think about losing Brandon Smith, losing Amir Smith-Marset, you know, I, I would expect more of a significant drop-off, or at least that's what we're used to as Hawkeye fans. But yeah. that just goes to show you the hell of a job that Kelton Copeland has done you know, recruiting and restocking this room. And, you know, the cupboard's not crazy full necessarily, but it's full with young talent that has, you know, the potential to do some great here's Hawks. So I, I love to see it. After seeing the kids day in person, Leah, um, who would you say is going to be the person that's going to most surprise everybody um, this year on the offensive side of the ball, whether it be a skill player, quarterback, or even an O-line? Ooh. Um, you know, I will say Spencer looked a lot better. Like he's looked the best that he's ever looked. Um, I know that people get real like sensitive about Spencer Petrus, but, um, he seems like he had command. He was like, he was telling me about, uh, the technique he was working on with his position with his uh, quarterbacks coach this summer. And so I was kind of keying in on like, okay, how is he 
like placing his feet and turning his body and is he like leaning too much on his back foot and he wasn't like he was definitely like keyed into his technique had chemistry with his wide receivers um I think we'll be surprised by like how well or how much Spencer has improved um Keegan Johnson like obviously you know I don't know how much he's, he's gonna get the ball that's the thing like wide receivers on this offense like that's a that's a battle like that's that's a competition to get this ball so um you know I think Keegan if afforded those opportunities like could really be this breakout star and you know you there are like the people you know that are going to make an impact like Tyler Goodson Tyrone Tracy you know um but yeah I, I think those two um could be great I love what I saw of Deontay Vines um I don't know if he's gonna play or not that's the thing so um yeah I mean there's there's quite a few oh, absolutely. Um, Perfect. Can you can you hear me right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> I was like, what is that? Uh, no, but um, I think you're absolutely right. You know what's interesting? Connor Colby's in the two deep under the right yes. tackle. And so we got to be able to like protect Spencer in order to get these throws off. So I'm really excited to see like, you know, what it's gonna look like. He's straight out of Cedar Rapids. So he is. 298. So he's yeah. got an awesome mullet too. Yes, he does. <laughs> I, I like tried to get him to talk about it a little bit. And he really was, he was shy with me. He was just like, yeah, I just like decided to grow it. I was like, <laughs> is there, you can elaborate. Is there, there's a lot of interesting hair on this offensive line. Yeah. Talk about Kyler shot, talk about Connor Colby. Can we, can we like have a conversation about the hair on this, like this team as a whole? Dude, like, what, what about Monty Pottebaum? I love that dude. Yeah. That thing is yeah. nasty. Yeah. That's I have not talked to him yet, but I, I need to. <laughs> and then I asked Seth Benson, who I know defense, like we're not there yet, but like I asked him, I was like, what shampoo commercial would you have for your hair? Like, what would you like to be? And he was like, I don't know. I just use the soup, soap off the walls in the locker room. Oh, like, come on. Whoa. Like you got to come at me with like Pantene, head and shoulders, Garnier yeah. Fructis, like Give me like some sort of material. And so I told him to come to get back to me. And he knows. He knows I'm coming to ask that follow-up <laughs> question. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that's a great transition. So we'll talk about the defensive side of the box. I think we, we covered quite a bit of the offense. I mean, I think we're obviously really excited about the secondary. They're super deep. It's probably probably the deepest that the secondary's been in the last couple of years uh, that we know of anyway. And they're gonna be very experienced and the a linebacking core that's got a lot of a lot of plaques and a lot of um, high praise, you know, they haven't really done a whole lot. I mean, they showed a lot of promise last year, but you know, this is a year to take a big step up and be a dominant force. I guess the only question mark that we kind of have is the D line. I mean, what was your thought on, you know, the Iowa's defense in general? You know, obviously yeah. go ahead, Leah. Oh, I didn't know if you were asking me or not. <laughs> <You're fine. Go laughs> I'm just like, I'm just going to jump in. Um, I think the defensive line, you know, I know last year and I was like watching some of the games, it took like two or three games for that to come together. And then it ended up being, you know, amazing. Right. Um, they can't do that this year because <laughs> they got, they got two really big like ranked opponents right off the bat. And so that's the one thing that has me a little bit worried. Um, but I think like, Noah Shannon, for sure, is going to be on the interior. Zach Van Valkenburg, like, we know he's going to be on the edge. Uh, John Wagner and Joe Evans have been kind of, like, trading off on that other side. 
then he's kind of got this other like interior position that's like, ah, like who we put in there? You know, there are a lot of names kind of floating around and it didn't look very good at kids day. Um, they were kind of collapsing at times, um, you know, missing some blocks. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like it'll come together in time because it's Iowa and the line is what Iowa does. But I think also, you know, if it doesn't, I think you have enough of a like depth in the secondary to kind of, you know, make it work or maybe, you know, the, and the linebackers too, obviously a little bit more seniority there and playing experience. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of nerd. I think there's like a measured amount of confidence and nervousness, right? So I think if we have the right to be nervous, it's like the least deep position. But then again, Iowa reloads this position every single year. There's always that diamond in the rough, right? Like we haven't been bought for, like we, you know, we have that stud. Kind of like what the last couple of years we had AJ Epineza. Last year ended up being Davion Nixon. I mean, we always, like you said, we always find that diamond in the rough that ends up coming up clutch and, and plays like an All-American. Mm-hmm. Right. And is that going to be like YA Black, right? Is that going to be Lucas Van Ness? Is that going to be Logan Lee? Like we just don't know. Like, yeah. but that person's going to, we're probably going to know who that person is within the first two games. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that kind of leads into my point, which, you know, yes, the defensive line is a question mark. I totally understand it. But when you got fucking Jack Campbell behind you as a future all pro NFL linebacker, I I don't think that's hyperbole. I really don't. I think he's going to be hands down your defensive player of the year in the big 10 this year. We've just seen far too many glimpses of him where if he can stay healthy and not get mono or get COVID or any other bullshit, he is without a doubt the best defensive player in the Big Ten. So uh, if our D-line can be serviceable and then you got him with the linebacking core followed by Seth Benson and Justin Jacobs coming in when they're not in the cash, that is just a stupid amount of talent right there in that front seven. And then, mind you, we're returning everybody from that secondary. I don't know why people aren't more excited about this defense. Yeah, I get we have the question marks, but this is a legitimate championship defense we got. Justin is supposed to be really good. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the coaches have spoken really highly of his athleticism. And, um, you know, I think our – I had the other writer that was helping me out at media day do that story. So that's going to be coming out later this week, but yeah, he's supposed to be like another promising, like young guy who's going to kind of step up. Mm -hmm. I remember watching his highlight tape from uh, high school and we were like, this guy's going to take somebody's head off. (laughs) So here's a question for that. So both Benson and Campbell are both young. So are they both juniors or one's junior one somewhere? Either way. Does that mean that that Justin's going to stick around for a while? Yeah, I mean, is, is he going to be able to? I mean, is he going to get enough playing time to want to stick around to want to get into that starting spot when he's a senior? Oh, absolutely, he's sticking around. He ain't going nowhere. Hey, I'm just throwing that out there. You just never know. I just mean, remember, like the COVID year does apply to everyone. True. So, um, or at least I think it's it's the upperclassmen. And so, yeah, okay, you've got two juniors, and I don't know. I mean, usually if you're a high-level guy, you want to leave before you're sticking around for a fifth year, right, like a COVID year. Um, So, but, you know, one of them, they stick around. I mean, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. There's a a balance. It's going to be interesting over the next couple of years. 
how many players are going to enter the transfer portal. Also, like how many players you're going to see like in recruiting classes, which are going to inevitably get smaller because there are going to be those upperclassmen who do want to stay and do want to get that one, use that extra COVID year. And you don't know when that's going to happen until the end of your season. So you may have a full recruiting class and then all of a sudden you can't put all of them on scholarship. So it's going to be a huge gamble as far as like that kind of stuff. I mean, you already saw like, no offense, like left in the off season, he was at the center position. You know, there's, that's a huge, um, that's a huge impact that we're going to see the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what everybody's freaking out right now about Iowa's, you know, 2022 class and, for those people that are, I totally understand it, the reservations and whatnot, but everything you're hearing Tyler Barnes say right now is we're taking 15 and we're done anyway. So, you know, th- that tells me a lot of those guys within, you know, the team are planning on sticking it out. And I'm just going to hold on to my false hope that Goodson's going to be back. Linderbaum's going to be back. Campbell's going to be back. And and we're going to win a national championship but, next year. Let's you, go Hawks. You know, to that point, though, too, I mean, you got to think about coaching. Those guys, not only they want to stick around because they love the University of Iowa, they love football but they love their coaches and they trust the process too, that, Hey, you know, if I stick around, we're going to do something great here. Not only that, but I have an opportunity to go to the NFL after another year. So there's a lot also, of, also they can make money now. Yes. Yeah. So that that's point. no longer like, yes, you can make a lot more money going to the NFL, obviously. Like it's no longer that much of an argument, right? Like, Oh, I can just leave and start making bank. Like, no, you can already start making some bank here. I mean, Kyler shot selling his like, you know, sweatshirts and stuff. That's not going to sell anywhere else outside of Iowa. Right. No. Tyler no, does the same thing. He's got his own like website and everything. So. Bomb squad. Oh, yeah. Bomb squad. <laughs> I love it. I was like, I'm, I might get some merch. So and I will represent, but uh, no, it looks Dude, really great. Rob, like, speak, yeah, speaking yeah. of that, you need to, you need to get some merch from Kayvon Merriweather, your guy. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's getting anything out there. But I love Kayvon. You got to get him out there. Yeah, that's, was, that's Rob's guy. So was, yeah, uh, he was my pick last year, or I don't know. Year before, year might before. have been the year before to break out, and he never did. And every time I saw him, I was like, Kayvon, come on, you're my guy." And like, uh, so now that's hilarious. Now I asked him if this would be his breakout year. This is his year. I was just going to say that. I definitely. Um, think. He so is hands down, he like, be the best. Now. He's the best interview, by the way. Like, he is so much fun to talk to, like, so lax, so chill, um, but also funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, he really showed up spring ball, that spring open scrimmage. He had an interception. Um, I think he could be – I think it could be a wild card on that secondary. Um, him and Terry Roberts. And I know that Terry Roberts is still, like, behind no, – was it Charlie Jones? Where am I looking? Yeah, I'm, I need to get this right, right? <laughs> yeah. He's right, right, um, Riley no, Moss. he's behind Riley Moss. I don't know why I get those two, like, mixed up. Um, yeah, he's uh, – I think Terry Roberts is going to show up too. So. See, and that's another thing. You know, I, I went on a rant a little bit ago about how good our defense is going to be. And you look at that secondary, not only is that secondary absolutely stout, but the depth is there as well. You know, you talk about yeah. Terry Roberts. You talk about Kayvon Merriweather, another one. Uh, Xavier, I, I was going to say Xavier Foster, Xavier Foster, that trader from Oskaloosa, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So Xavier Williams, another one, like the depths there. I am just not worried about the defense whatsoever. 
pretty pumped up. Man. I am fired up. Let's I mean, go. you shouldn't be worried about the secondary because what you can do is you can literally like, like, oh, do a couple of guys want to take some rest for a couple of plays? Cool. We'll just throw in our second line of people and there will be no difference. Yeah. Which is yeah, a good, I will, good I, thing I to have. Defense, it's a hockey team. Like they'll just have lines in there. So when we're in the Big Ten championship against Ohio State and they're subbing out lines of, you know, four and five star wide receivers, we can do that with our three and four star cornerbacks that are just as good, if not better. Shout out Phil Parker's player development. I'll tell you what's weird, though. It's weird having to lean on our secondary on our secondary. Like it's like the yin and yang of like previous defenses, like uh, where the question mark is the D line. And normally, like we get to the quarterback. So we like quickly so we don't have to worry about the secondary as much having to cover people for so long. Uh, But now it's like hopefully we can get to the quarterback because but I mean, I feel comfortable with our, you know, secondary, but I'd be interested to see what kind of um, like schemes we roll out because obviously we have that cash position that's fairly new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're going to be going a lot of nickel, maybe or dime packages, I don't know, it depends. I know that people run a lot in the big 10. So it's, well, it's probably just going to depend on who we play, right? Like we're going to start does. out with Indiana. I, I mean, think, you know, you you get into the Wisconsin, and that's the big running team. But everybody else on their schedule is more of a passing spread offense. So They're living in the uh, new age, the modern era. Right. And so so we'll see a lot of that cash this year. And, you know, Rob, you, you touched on it a little bit there, but I remember Jaleel Johnson a few years back talked about it too, where, you know, the main job of an Iowa defensive tackle in particular is not to get to the quarterback. It's to clog up holes so your linebackers can go out and make plays. You know, that's their whole idea. So if that defensive line can be serviceable doing that, and I think, you know, that's one thing where we've already seen Noah Shannon come in and do that a little bit. You know, in previous years, not a whole hell of a lot of time, but, you know, came in with the defense last year and didn't really miss too big of a beat. So uh, he's got a little bit of experience doing that there, and obviously Van Valkenburg does as well. So, and Leah alluded it to alluded to it earlier as well but you know if Logan Lee can step in there if uh you know Lucas Van Ness if one of those guys can step in there and man that other tackle spot I think this entire defense will be in really really good shape I mean they're gonna find somebody who's gonna play you know what I mean and that's the bottom line absolutely sort of that Patriots mentality next man up you know we, we talked about it too uh oh gosh right around spring ball but we were talking about Louis Steck you know, that, that's a name we haven't heard it's a whole heck of a lot. You know, knock on wood that he's not hurt or anything. I think he might just be down the depth chart a little bit. I guess, do you know, Leah? He's not, he, hurt. Uh, he's not hurt. No, he's just um, he's just down the depth chart. But, you know, he's still there. I think they, they loved him in the spring. They're like, you know, he really stepped up. Great effort. But, you know, he just might be, like, younger. You know, right. he's kind of like one of those guys that they'll probably stick him in, like, every once in a while. Get right. some, like you know, get a feel for the game at this level. And then they're going to be like, all right, we're going to save him for next year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Redshirt sophomore. Um, looks like on the depth chart that I'm looking at, he's behind Van Ness. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like the depth chart is hard to read sometimes because you have a lot of interchangeable guys. It's oh, like- I was going to say, we, we all know that with Kirk Ferentz. I think he yeah. said it last year. Depth charts mean nothing to him. <laughs> like he, he doesn't even know who sends them out. It's like, what? Yeah. Well, and then Kelvin Bell, I know when he spoke to me, was like saying as far as his D-line, he trains his tackles and his, you know, um, his ends the same. So they all know how to play every single position. It's just like which one is going to be their strength. 
Right. Speaking of, shout out Leah Mann right there. You know, that podcast you did with him, just on the football X's and O's, that was so cool. You know, and obviously football junkies listen to this podcast. So, you know, a quick plug there. If you guys got to go back and dig into the archives and check that out, you know, li- listen to them to just talk football X's and O's and strategy. And uh, it's it's incredible. So I highly recommend it. Thank you. You're welcome. I learned a lot. It was great. I got to stick around afterwards and I talked to him for like 30 minutes, took me through like some old film. Kelvin Bell is, he is a gem. I love that. You know what? (laughs) There's a lot of people who don't understand the X's and the O's. So getting that experience, I mean, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then somebody who truly loves it and understands it is willing to teach it. I mean, that's, that's pretty valuable. Well, yeah, that's literally it. You know, it's the method behind the madness. That is the six seconds of hell. I want to bring that back. Speaking of, I'm sure you guys may have saw that on Twitter the other day, but if you don't know, Leah, a few years back, uh, Norm Parker, old Iowa defensive coordinator, coined the term that he wanted the Iowa defense to be six seconds of hell against every team they face. So I will not say it on the back of uh, T-shirts, but uh, yeah, I- I've been looking everywhere to find one of those old T-shirts. You can't find them anywhere, so we might have to drop some Hawkeyes and Tallboys merch. Let's do it, dude. We need six, six seconds, seconds of hell. hell. <laughs> if, you know, you know, we. If, That's a great we merch idea, right? Yeah. But guys, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the special teams. And specifically, I'd like to lead off with our boy, the punter from down under, Tory Taylor. Dude, the man, go. the man, the myth, the legend, the man that kicks the ball 35 yards mile. off the ground in the snow. You know what? I didn't even know that was a rule until he actually did it. No. Like, I would have done the same exact thing. Well, and, and I know we talked about this a little bit last year, too, but, you know, obviously I, I played rugby, and so I assume Tory might have grown up playing rugby and for sure played Aussie rules football. Absolutely. That is totally legal where he comes from. So, you know, like he said right afterwards, I think, in that interview, he's like, yeah, uh, I had no idea that was even illegal. It's like, <laughs> neither did we. Yeah, nor would you blame him. Yeah. That's hilarious. I've actually covered some rugby, which – was interesting. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I, when I was in Steamboat Springs, I worked at uh, a newspaper in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and they have, like, rugby teams in these mountain towns, and they are really into it. They'll bring in guys from, like, other countries, and they play mm. other mountain towns. So it's, like, all the, like, rich mountain towns against each other, except it's all be, like, hotheads from every, like, mountain town playing with <laughs> each other, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but I remember watching it. I was like, this is – this is fun. This is like football. Like I get it. Okay. And, um, but they were a little bit of a, they were a little rowdy or a rough crowd. I covered the women's rugby team mm-hmm. too. And they didn't like the story I wrote about them because apparently I talked too much about like their injuries. Cause I was like, yeah, like tough women, like this is awesome. And they were like, well, you didn't talk about our sisterhood enough. And so, like, I'm the new reporter in town. And, like, the story was great. It got picked up by the Associated Press. Like, people were all over it. And I, like, I would go to the bar and I'd be like, I really hope the women's rugby team doesn't come in here and, like, (laughs) because they would, and they would come into the bar and, like, the men's rugby team would come in and be like, oh, yeah, they are mad at you. And I was like, that doesn't make me feel good, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Yikes. Yeah. But no, I mean, uh, these um, these special teams for the Hawks this year are going to be uh, like a secret weapon and maybe not so much of a secret, but like there are teams that are that, you know, if you're not going to special teams, it can completely change the game. We all know that Kirk likes to, you know, win the the, the field. What am I trying to say? The field uh, position. Yeah. Yep. Yes. yes. 
And so, and I think he's essential to the defense and setting us up for success. So, but, well, I think that too. And, for him. and finally, Caleb Shudek finally gets his, his spot. Like, his time yeah, to shine. You know, true. and we were blessed with Keith Duncan, but it sounds like we're basically getting past the torch from one to the next, who's going to be just as good, if not even better. So, and Miguel Racinos, y'all have had two good yeah. kickers in a row. You're right. Y'all are all. And we, we've definitely been blessed there. No question about it. And, uh, you know, everything I hear, you know, I, I followed the Iowa rivals message boards and Miguel Racinos is old man's on there. And so he's a big Renee? special teams guy. Yep. Yep. So he was talking about it a little bit where, you know, he said, okay, guys, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. You know, shoot X been right there. You know, him and Keith Duncan were neck and neck the whole time, and Keith always got the nod because he had the experience. So he's right there, obviously handled kickoff duties last year. So we're going to be just fine. If anything, you know, I think they said that Duncan was slightly more accurate. And, of course, this is the past couple of years, slightly more accurate. But, you know, on long balls, you wanted Shudak in there. So love to see it. I think he's going to kill it this year and, you know, probably kick a game-winning field goal versus Nebraska and, like, all of our other kickers do. Or at least hit a couple, right? Like, right. I, I'd be okay beating Nebraska by more than three this year, <laughs> please. He needs to blow up a little kiss. <laughs> it's Black Friday tradition at this point. I right. think you have to get. <laughs> you know, if we uh, if we could blow them out in, in Lincoln, I think that'd be all right. Like we used to do with Noah Fanton. Well, Jackson. I wouldn't complain either. But, <laughs> you know, again, it's tradition. Blow a kiss to Scott Frost and the boys. Love it. So, uh, Charlie Jones seems to be like solidified as our kick return guy. Yes. Um, are we going to see like, because I saw Arlen Bruce was listed down there too. I'd love to see some like some of our younger players get the chance to return kicks. So LeVar actually said a lot of guys have been trying out that position. Um, Terry Roberts has also been kind of trying his hand at it. I actually, he did it in high school. He was like all state or something. He was like really good at it in high school too. And he's also like a great gunner, right? Um, but yeah, so it's going to be, I think he said, you know, he's put Nico back there. He's put Tyrone Tracy back there. Like he was listing off all these players. He's like, yeah, I'm just like trying a bunch of people. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, all of them are perfectly capable, but, um, Arland that I could see that, especially as a younger guy that you think can contribute and is very athletic and very fast, very quick. Um, Keegan, maybe. I don't think he said Keegan, though. Like, but yeah, I know that there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of options. There was one more that I can't remember, but I'll think of it later. So, so while you're thinking about that, it's funny. Like, don't laugh at me, guys, for, for doing this, but I watched an Iowa versus Iowa State simulator on YouTube the other day because I was just bored. Of course. And, uh, and Terry Roberts was the one returning punts and kicks, and he yeah. actually. Simulation-wise, did fairly well. So well, there you go. So it makes sense that he was trying out back then. What's yeah. his Madden rating? That's what I'm curious on. <laughs> What's that speed well, it'll at? Be, NCAA. It'll be yeah, mentioned in my story 14, right? that comes out this weekend. So. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Quick blood. Quick blood. So I guess uh, there's without. I mean, with nothing else, guys. Do you want to get into our mailbag and then go to the schedule? Yeah. Perfect. And do predictions. Yeah, Leah, I'll, I'll start out. I got, a, I got a buddy that asked me a question, and this is a hot topic amongst, amongst Iowa fans, but who do you see as being the next Iowa coach, head coach, to take over Kirk Ferentz's job? Oh, good question. Dang. Um, so I actually – you know, I know everybody wants to say Brian. Um, 
Not from but the I'm not going to say Brian, um, just off of the things that I've heard from people. Like, and um, I think he also is like, he, he likes being offensive coordinator. I don't know. But um, I actually heard LeVar Woods uh, might be a good contender at head coach, which it makes sense to me. You know, he played um, and, you know, he coaches special teams, but he has pretty much does everything. He's also like, he's kind of got that presence about him, you know, like kind of soft spoken, but also very like measured, but also approachable. Um, I could see him being the next head coach. So Leah, do you think, I, I, I like where you're going with that. I think LeVar would do an excellent job. Um, I feel like there's some Hawk fans that might be listening and primarily in the older generations who say, Nope, absolutely not. LeVar has no head coaching experience. I don't think he's the one. I think he needs to go to Maine and coach for the Black Bears and see how that goes first. What would you, how would you answer that? Um, I mean, I, I, God, I wish I had like a list of guys that, you know, did not, were not head coaches and then got head coaching jobs and did a good job. Because I mean, it's definitely not the, his, the first time that's ever happened. It's not like reinventing the wheel, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's also, um, I think that could also be a response to a lot of people have to men of color um, taking over head coaching positions. Um, a lot of time, that's a lot of times, like you see a lot of guys who don't have, I mean, look at, that's not a good example. You see a lot of guys in the NFL, right? And you're looking at the shortage of men of color coaching in the NFL as far as head coaching positions. And people say, well, they're like, oh, well, they're like not qualified. Why don't you think they're qualified? Right? Like, why? Why haven't they had a head coaching experience before? And so, you know, that seems to be a big rebuttal for a lot of people. And so I don't mean to call them racist. I'm not assuming anything. But I will say that it's like, it is something, it is a bias. It's an unconscious bias that a lot of people have, um, especially when it comes to these head coaching jobs. And I think, you know, you don't know, like, don't knock it till you try it. Right. And a head coach is more of like, it's a lot of like administrative stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I mean, yes, he's controlling, he's overseeing everybody and what they're doing, but the position coaches are really like, putting together the pieces of the team that they're in charge of. Right. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's not relevant. I think experience, I mean, he's, he's experienced enough. No, absolutely. To what you said there, you know, you think of, uh, Oh, who's the defensive coordinator or offense coordinator for the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, is it Belemi or Benemi? Uh, anyways, whatever his name is, uh, Thank you. Bo's looking it up right now for me. And uh, another one of those guys, great example there, because, you know, you got guys all over ESPN wondering why this guy hasn't a shot, Eric Miami. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they say he's the one that's next in line to take over for Andy Reid, but they haven't even named him coach in waiting yet. So I definitely think that's totally a fair point. And I'm with you there. I don't think it's necessary for uh, NCAA football head coach to necessarily have that experience and you look at a guy like LeVar Woods who coaches special teams at the University of Iowa and it's not like that's just one single position group where he's more like a CEO just for you know the entire special teams unit you look at punt team punt return kickoff kick return uh field goal 
I think that's it. But well, still, I mean, that's, that's I'm an looking at, and then I'm looking at, I mean, this is also NFL, Sean McVay. He was not a head coach. Yep, yep. Okay, and then a lot of people, um, when Cliff Kingsbury, now granted he went from coach, head coach of Texas Tech, which by the way, he got fired, right? Got mm-hmm. let go. And then all of a sudden he gets a head coaching job up in the NFL. Yeah. What made what made him qualified, right? Absolutely. It, it, but also like a lot of it has to do with like systems and what are your specialties. And like for Cliff, the whole compelling argument was like, oh, well, he's coached quarterbacks and he's coached the quarterback that is going to go to Arizona, right? And so, I mean, there's so many other like the uh, the resumes of coaches, the way that we as like regular people read them. We have no way of knowing. And Kirk Ferentz was an offensive line coach for a long time and then got a head coaching job. So, you know, it's like, we don't know. Oh, absolutely. We don't know what makes them qualified. We're just people. And, you know, Leah, too, I do got to defend my fellow Iowans here because, you know, back in the time when Iowa last hired, you know, a coach because us Iowa Hawkeyes have been blessed with only two coaches since, what, 1973, whereas – you know, your Longhorns have had, like, what, two in the last five years? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know. So many coaches. <laughs> Sarkeesian, that's another example. I don't even – has he been a head coach somewhere? I don't know. He was the OC at Alabama, right, before he came Yeah, over. he was the offensive yeah. coordinator. Was he a head coach for USC for a minute, though, or no? I don't think I don't he think was a head was. coach, though. Okay. I think he I was know. under – he was under – what's his name – the guy that got can. Um, I, I forget his name too. Yeah. He was not a head coach. He uh quarterbacks coach, associate head coach. Yeah, he was under um Seattle Seahawks. Why am I blanking? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. And this is his first head coaching job, and he and he's moving schools. Okay, right. I'm not gonna say he's gonna do well. I have no idea. I don't know how he's gonna do it. But mm-hmm. like, I'm just saying. Yeah. But yeah, I, I always got to find their next 20 year guy because we don't want to fall into that Texas hole where you're hiring new coaches all the time and I know and changing up systems. And I always got their system. They've had it since 1973. We want to keep it that way. Yeah. And you know, they're going to choose someone in house. Yeah. Right. It's the Iowa way. You're going to, you know, to keep the system. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go outside the system. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, throw out, I'll throw out a wider or not necessarily as known name, but Jay Norvell. Out of Nevada. I, I could see him potentially getting an interview. What's his tie to Iowa? Uh, he played in Iowa. Okay. Played Braden yeah. Bry. So he's one I could think Stoops. of. I think he's still at Nevada anyway. He was at Texas for a bit too. Um, was he really? I didn't know. He, I, uh, offensive or defensive coordinator. He was one of our, he, he was there when Charlie Strong was there. I'm fairly okay. really sure. Gotcha. Did not oh, do okay. well, but he's done mm-hmm. well everywhere else. Right. The Texas. Right. Okay. Yeah. I heard I heard Rob throw out Bobby Stoops. I still I still think Bobby Stoops is going to be the guy, but we'll okay. see. We'll see how we'll see how much longer that Kurt goes. Bob Stoops is a Scott Frost style analyst, but he's a lot better at not getting caught. So he's <laughs> I co- mean, he's coaching. I, think I could see Bob Stoops just because of his legacy and everything like that. And I think he actually like was in line to get the job before Kirk, but then he got. They said I read this in this book that I was reading, and. He was like, oh, well, are you going to offer me the job? They're like, well, we want to interview Kirk first. He's like, okay, well, then I'm going to take the Oklahoma job. Yep. Because they couldn't guarantee it. So take that as you will. Right. Oh. It's tough. 
I mean, as recruiters, as all three of us used to be, and some still are, I mean, sometimes you lose the good ones. Uh, but hey, you know what? Kirk ended up working out. Um, so I have a question for you, Leah. So obviously um, you've been in a lot of different areas, uh, you know, covering different sports and things like that. So covering here in Iowa City, covering the Iowa Hawkeyes, can you tell us maybe or regale us with some stories on maybe like um, the most fun you've had, like trying to find uh, bits for a story? Or maybe can you tell us maybe some of the most challenging aspects of, of immersing yourself in the culture or the most challenging story you've had to write? And what is that like? Yeah, um, put me on the spot here. Um, uh, I think the the really like the beginning when I started remote and we were having Zoom press conferences, um, what I liked about that was the fact that I could just raise my hand to get my question answered and ask my question. And I'm not a shy person, obviously. Um, but it was hard for me to like connect, right? And have these people like recognize me and know that I'm like, know my heart, like know who I am, right? Um, I think that was a huge challenge for me as far as like fun stuff. Hmm. I mean, I had fun asking all the players at fall, the media day about like how they survived fall camp. And like, just like, I don't know if y'all read that story I wrote and I just kind of listed all their answers. And it was kind of one of those ways for me to get to know the players. But it was funny when like Spencer was talking about like, oh yeah, I love like my kombucha. And I was like, you're so California. Like, <laughs> aggressively California for you to say. Uh, I loved Big Ten Media Days and it was fun meeting all the other writers from across the country. Um, I met a couple, I befriended a couple people from Rutgers and this one guy like used to cover the Knicks. So I was like, so what's it like covering like the most miserable teams in like two different sports? I mean, Jesus. Yeah. You know, uh, I think what's hilarious to me um, is just people are like starting to recognize me in public. I mean, I was in Des Moines at a Chris Stapleton concert and it's dark. And this guy walks up to me and he's like, you're Leah from Twitter. You cover the Hawkeyes. And I was like, I don't know if this is like cool or creepy, you know, like, and it happened to me at Hinterland too. It was a music festival. And the guy sitting behind me was like, hey, you're the girl that covers the Hawkeyes. I was like, yeah. And I know I'm noticeable with like the hair and everything, but it's just kind of funny for me to like go out in public and people know who I am. It's like kind of, like, I don't know how to like think of that. You know, um, I had a lot of, um, a story I really enjoyed doing was on the athletic trainers. I loved like learning how, pa I think people who are passionate about what they do and, um, I just found it really inspiring learning exactly like what they did every single day to make the last season possible. I found that just extremely moving. So yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a great experience so far and I'll probably have some more fun stories for y'all soon. Well, glad to have you. Oh, that reminds me. I do need to tell this quick story. I think I've told it on the pod before, but this leads into a question for you, Leah. So, so I went to Iowa from 2012-2016, and so in 2012, Hawkeyes went 4-8, and eight, but I remember when all the guys got back out of fall camp and ran into one of them in the dorms and asked him how camp was. Well, apparently that year they had had a Saturday off before they were going to have practice Sunday, and then the next week was the – or 
the Saturday might have been the kids' practice, so it was Thursday night, and then they had Friday off. But anyways, so they told a story, and I won't say who said it, but they told me that James Ference, so Kirk's middle child son, walked in with three 30-packs of Bush Light and said, all right, boys, you survived fall camp and set them down and, you know, ran off and everybody just got drunk and had a good time together all in the hotel. So who would be your pick to be that person? Who would have that style of senior leadership this year? So that like a camp. coach that would put the beers on the table? No, or? James Ferentz. So he was a center for oh, Iowa. Oh, okay. So like you know, a so player. player. Player looking for some senior leadership. A senior leader. Oh. Who's, who's the wild one? Who's the wild one? I got Gosh, I, I, now I'm going to like have to look through this like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I want to say Tyler Linderbaum, but he's not. He's not <laughs> I could see he's it. Soul and Iowa. That's a drinking but, town. Like, I'm thinking offensive line, like big dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, right? Like, I would, I could see that. He's like kind of shy to me, but I'm like, like to reporters, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, you're definitely not shy around your friends. Right. Like, so- well, let me tell you my guess and see what you think about it. So my initial thought was Monte Potamon, even though he's only a junior. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's got the mullet. It makes sense. Right, yeah. Right. He drinks beer. He parts. Yeah, absolutely. After knocking heads on Saturdays, he likes to have a few beers and <laughs> head down to the summit and do, we don't need to know. What. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be Riley Moss. Cause I saw oh, that guy yes. throw some bales of hay and uh, he gets real fired up and he's probably one of my favorite players now honestly riley moss like seems like that super chill dude that just like because even when you interview him he's just kind of lax and like he doesn't really say anything super detailed but he just kind of like we'll just go on and on just kind of like you know he's got that like lucy like kind of chill vibe i could see him being like the frat bro who walks in with <laughs> totally like and probably like wears the, the backwards hat and like wins beer pong or flip cup and is like who's next you know <laughs> i could see him winning like beer pong or flip cup and being like let's go that's what i would think i like it i like it okay and then we do have one mailbag question that comes from old buddy Connor. And so he wants to know, and this is just for all of us, we can just take our quick picks, but which Hawkeye player will make the most from the name image and likeness bill? Football only, right? Football only for this question. Yeah. Mm. I think I'm going with Tyler Goodson. I think, I think he's got it down. I think a lot of people are going to be on him. He's going to have, he's going to have mm-hmm. a lot of commercials and then merchandise, stuff like that. I think. Okay. I, I'm going to go with an under, undercover pick. I'm going to go with Tyler Linderbaum. I think they get him for like a Poncheros commercial or something. Like after I knock some heads on the gridiron, I head down to Iowa City's Poncheros <laughs> and get me a burrito, double rice, extra meat. That's an odd order. I order Poncheros a lot. I've never seen anybody order double rice. Are you serious? That was like yeah. a drunken bastards thing. Like every night when I was going to school, down double there. rice, double meat. Yeah, double rice, double meat. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not going to knock you because I haven't tried. It. There you um, go. So Spencer Petrus is going to be mine. I don't know how we're not going with the starting quarterback. I feel like he's just going to get deals. Like he's just going to – if people are going to buy a jersey right now, they're the one that's going to sell is going to be the starting quarterback. See, so, but if, if he's going to do that, I think 
he needs to go like full blown sunshine from Remember the Titans. He's from Cali. He's already got the blonde hair. If he pulls off the long locks, then then I can see it. But nobody can take that from uh, CJ. He really should like grow out his hair. Of, just of, of everybody on the team, he should be the one. <laughs> yeah, like he, he should go like full Cali, like bleat or like frosted tips or something. Like, oh my God. Yeah. frosted <laughs> tips. I like that. I don't know. Like, he needs to play up the Cali vibe. Uh, but then that's not very Iowa. I'm going to agree with the bomb squad. Uh, I just think like Tyler Linderbaum, I mean, he's the biggest name right now as far as like if you look at preseason accolades. And, you know, what round he's going to be taking in the draft. Um, the bomb squad. I mean, I just love that branding. I think, and it's all about branding, right? Um, and he is like Iowa homegrown boy. True. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's another thing that a lot of those, like, that's, that's something that I think I think about too. But I think Tyler Goodson also is just as good of a guess, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And then looks like the last mailbag question we have here. And I feel like Bo and Rob will be able to answer this one first. Then Leah, you've gotten to know me a little bit, so you might be able to touch on it. But Mueller wants to know, he wants an over-under. He's a betting guy. So he needs that over-under on how many Miller Lights Pondo is going to delete tailgating this year. A total number? The over-under, yep, a total. So you got to think seven home games. Oh, Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to say over 200. Oh. Yeah, oh, I think you got to set the over under at like 205. It's like 30 a game. Bro, you can't even buy them. I'm going to put it. I'm telling you, you're going to be very excited. Jesus. I'm going to put it as a, a conservative number, I say, is going to be um, 165 because that's about how much in a keg. Oh, okay. You guys think I get a, a keg down by the end of the season? You can get a keg down. Wow, y'all we should do that. I can we on and just see. You know, just keep some air flowing in there, pump it a couple times a day, and see if it can last three months. I think that'll work. What do you think, Leah? Damn, I mean, I had a, I was thinking like, like 140, 150, but I, now I'm just kind of <laughs> thinking. Have you seen his mullet? I think I'm a little too low, but I, was I don't say, know. Have you seen the mullet? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean. I guess like for me, I'm a lightweight, so it's just kind of my when I when guys tell me like how much how many beers they drink, I'm like, oh, that's absurd. <laughs> you know, like okay. Well, that's what I, I had the same conversation with my girlfriend a few weeks back, and when we saw the question, I was like, yeah, probably sixty or seventy, and she just gave me that look. She's like, that's low. It's like, oh, I mean, okay. like ten per game. Uh, I don't. Wait. See, so that's what I was thinking. Ten per ten per game because it's only tailgate. Yeah. This is home games, so okay. Also, but you also have to think we're going to start the three thirty games. You're likely going to start anywhere from six to eight, Correct. and so you can drink ten beers in a matter of two hours. Like that's not that's not going to be that. Especially Miller Light, I guess. Yes, exactly. Like a quality beer like that, I'm with you. Yeah. Um. Well, so Miller Miller Light's your jam. Oh, absolutely. That's what I used for the beer mile in college so what was your time it was a 1255 that's pretty solid yeah yeah i uh i did puke though and i should have had a penalty lap but oops during or after it was like around the third lap 
had like a little spit up and like you're supposed to take a penalty lap if you do that and i was like i'm not fucking taking that <laughs> penalty lap hell no god no so yeah well cool well thanks for all the mailbag questions everybody so yeah, i think I the last it. last thing we need to get into is just the upcoming schedule um we don't need to go through every single game but just kind of want to get everyone's thoughts on you know what the regular season record is rob we'll start with you we start out with Indiana and Iowa State and then go all the way down and finish our, our last game with Nebraska on Black Friday, November 26th. Um, do you have any prediction on the year or any upsets? Uh, who, who do you think we're going to lose to or win all, all 12 games? What do you think? Sure. I'm glad you started with me because um, I think I said this before the, uh, the, uh, the podcast when we were just talking, but um, I honestly think that we – I know that it looks like we have a tough schedule if you're looking at the schedule. And I, we looked at the schedule this year's schedule, I, if you guys remember, two years ago. Because we were like, oh, man, next year's schedule kind of seems all right. And then – but the, the schedule after that, though, that one is going to be rough. Um, and so here we are looking at it. And I honestly think that we're going to go – I was going to say 12-0, but I think we're going to go 11-1. I think we take oh. – you know, I think we take a big giant leap forward. I think, uh, you know, I, um, I, as a side hustle, I actually drive Uber sometimes in Iowa city and I happen <laughs> yeah. to give a ride home to, and I'm not going to say his name, but shout out to this guy. If he is listening, um, he is like one of the quarterback, uh, like coaches. Um, he was like a grad transfer. I don't know. I don't even know. Grad but, assistant. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what, and he was, I was like, well, tell me about Spencer. Like, how, how is he looking, you know, whatever. And he was very long-winded and he sounded like he had maybe a few too many, but he was real high on him. And uh, I saw Spencer in person at Solid Beef Days and he looked better than ever, better than I've ever seen him. Um, and so I actually think that he's going to be the key to this team. Um, taking a step forward, I'm not worried about our defense. I think that we're going to be a team that can contend. And I think that the only game that we lose is going to be at Wisconsin. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I like that. And I'm going to be more of a realist instead of an optimist. I think we go nine and three. Um, unfortunately, my losses, my first loss is at Iowa state. Okay. Hold on. Precursor <laughs> before he finishes this moron, this, I shouldn't say moron. I shouldn't be calling names. I'm better than that. But this guy has predicted Iowa to lose to Iowa State like the last like seven years. Three years. That we've been doing this podcast. So keep that going though. It's worked out. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> I'm gonna keep going with it. So I got Iowa State. I think unfortunately we're gonna lose Wisconsin. And then the last one I really hate. I think I hate this more than Iowa State, but I think we're gonna lose Nebraska at Nebraska. I yeah, I Again, I think I'm more of a realist. I think three losses is is probably about right. But, you know, if we can get through the first two games of the year, I think that we can, you know, if, if we go one and one or two and oh, I think that we can really do some damage the rest of the year and and uh, and figure out some of those tough games. But again, it's going to rely on the shoulders of Spencer Petrus. And from what I've heard, he's he's uh, turned a leaf. And I think he's going to play really well this year, but just depend on, you know, how we play as a team and how it's going to go week to week. Leah, what do you think? Yeah, so I think as far as the first two games, you are either going to take one or none, to be honest. So um, I, I think, but I think most likely, like, Iowa will either beat Indiana or Iowa State. A little bit more confident about them beating Indiana. Um, 
just because if Iowa State lives up to this hype that everybody's saying, which like it's going to be, and especially, and I don't know if Iowa's like defensive lines can be ready for that run attack. So, you know, Brees Hall and everything. Um, Wisconsin will be tough. So that's another loss. So like I say, you know, and then Purdue gave Iowa a hard time last year, but you're meeting them a little bit, you know, later in the schedule. So I don't know. I know they have a wide receiver that's really tough to cover. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, worst case scenario, four losses. Best case scenario, two losses. Okay. So, so you got you got our ceiling at 10 and 2, the floor at 8 and 4. Yeah. I can respect that. That seems reasonable. That's not what my prediction is going to be. Let's go. So we I'm know defeated. the Hawkeyes, right? So the Hawkeyes, they lose one they shouldn't, and they win one they shouldn't. And you can go back 100 years. It's always been that way. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking here. So right now, we look at those first two games. The Hawks go 0-2. It's time to worry. Put on your fire Kirk pants. You know, everything else. The world will be falling. I don't see it happening. We go 1-1. One one. We're going to have a very Leah and Bo type season. We're looking at 8-4, and 9-3 and three best case scenario. I could see that happening. Could also see it not happening. We go two and zero. Oh, look the fuck out. This team is going to be roaming, rumbling, and they're going to be carrying that momentum from the end of last season. And I think Michigan and Missouri are still shitting their pants about that Hawkeye team they were going to have to play. So, you know, they took the wuss. The wussy excuses are for wusses. Spencer Lee, he's got that trademark, so go buy that shirt from Shields. Um, but they took the excuses way out, so they didn't have to deal with it. So I'm thinking. I got us at 10 and two. I got us with two losses. And I think one's going to come week one versus Indiana. Uh, I think, you know, Michael Penix isn't as mobile as necessarily as we thought we were. Shout out Hawkeye Matt on Twitter for pointing that out to me. And I noticed that in the tape from last year as well. So I do think they'll be able to contain them. But I think the wide receivers, I think they have a rushing attack as well, as long as some transfers coming in on that defense. I think they're going to be a little too much to handle week one. That being said, I think we go into Ames and we beat them and we crush, you know, the dream season that everybody out West thinks they're going to have. And then for my second loss, a lot of people are going to be really surprised by this, but I do not like Iowa playing a Friday night game out East in Maryland. I think that Maryland's got, you know, two attack of Iowa's brother. Uh, they got some playmakers on that team that had a couple solid recruiting classes as well. So I can see grad transfers. Yep. Absolutely. So that, that's my big trap game right there. And so I put that as a loss as well. But I also see this team being very similar to last year's team where they come into the end of the season absolutely rolling and, uh, you know, went out after Maryland. So you look from Penn State on, I think they went out and, you know, placed themselves in a position to potentially win the Big Ten West and get a trip to Indy. And I need to go back. We went in 2015 when I was a senior in college and that was the time of the life. If you've never been. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Book it. Iowa Big Ten West champs. We will be in Indy. We're going. Love it. Book your flight. You're right. I think Penn State will be tough, too. So, you know, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa State, Indiana, those are your toughies. I said I think it, Iowa Leah. takes half, maybe, you know? I don't know. Oh, absolutely. So, after what you saw from Penn State last year, you think they're going to be tough again this year? Oh, with that. I think, I think like, I think – Last year was weird for Penn State and Wisconsin. Just like 
they were just one of, they were just like those years um you know, Wisconsin, it'll depend on how Graham Mertz plays. If he actually plays, you know, like he did week one against Illinois, you know, if he plays like he did the rest of the year, kudos. I think that's good for Iowa, obviously. But with Penn State, I think their defense has to be a lot better or else they're going to be fucked. That's true. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just think I feel like Big Ten, it's always it always comes down to the wire with y'all. You know, nobody like beats each other with like 50 points. So. Oh, yeah, I think. I'm used to basketball scores. At least one of us will go out watching an Iowa game and it will be heart related. So that's, we've dealt with this for a long time. Well, that's the thing about the big 10 that is different. It's just like, we just beat each other. Like, and so like it ruins everyone's chances to get into the college football playoff. That's why I've always been a big proponent of this is expanding the college football playoff to more than four teams. I I love, I'd love to see an eight team or even a six team with like the top two getting buys. I think eight is a good number. I really do. Yeah. 12 is too many. There's not 12 teams that are on the same level. There's no way. Right. No way. No, eight's a solid number. But if you take the winners from the power five and then you take three at large bids. Yep. I think that'd be a great thing. You know, we don't have enough time. I'd love to get your thoughts on like the new big 10 Pac 12, you know, ACC Alliance that we have going on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's about all our opinion on it. But, um, but yeah, I, I thought it would be. I, I read an article actually the other day that was about uh, how it would be cool if uh, those, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, like so, formed like some sort of a super conference, and we had games like uh, Iowa at Stanford and stuff like that. It would make sense because a lot of the academics align as far as Pac-12 and Big Ten schools. Mm-hmm. So, and even ACC, but. Um, yeah, the alliance was anticlimactic, to say the least. I mean, I, I didn't expect, like, a super conference, but I expected there would be, like, some sort of immediate tangible change or something. Yeah. But it just sounds like, okay, we're just all going to be very uniform in the way that we make decisions. So, like, you know, if, like, COVID was happening. Mean, COVID is still happening. But if we were having the same COVID situation as last year, right, and they had already formed this alliance, they would have all, like, said at the same time that they're going to play a season or they're not. That would be my example is how the That's alliance would work. What, what were your thoughts on uh, your cohort's uh, document's tweet today about um, – oh, what the hell is his name? Who's the commissioner of the Big Ten right Bulls, now? Oh, Kevin Warren. Warren. Kevin Warren? Uh, yeah, he, he feels the more he hears Kevin Warren talk, the more apt he would be to run the NCAA. That was so, a joke, wasn't it? That was absolutely a joke. Yeah. It was sarcastic. Oh, I mean, but I – mean... <laughs> <laughs> about the college football playoff he's like yeah we're gonna like take the necessary time and effort to take the time to really like really make sure we dedicate the proper time to thinking about the college football playoff like that's this is a whole lot of nothing it's like gary barda it's like they all they all speak the same they always say a lot of like fluffy words and then you know you go through those interviews and you're like actually he said absolutely nothing right Absolutely. I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt with the COVID thing last year, you know, them trying to be the first ones. And I'm sure the university presidents were pushing up on him to, you know, make the decision he made. But then, you know, somebody, I forget what writer asked him about it, but it's like, yeah, how do you feel about your own conference not playing, but you're going to be able to watch your son play in the SEC this year? Oh, yeah, I'm super excited for my boy to play. And, you know, I think the potential of his team's unbearable, but yeah, no, we, we can't do it here. It's like, 
Okay. I mean, it's a difficult situation. Like, I don't think anybody was, nobody's like prepared to handle that, but nobody handled it well, by all means. But yeah, it's just hilarious. (laughs) Not doing himself any favors. So, but all righty. I don't know if you guys got anything else, but Leah, you got any final thoughts? What'd you think about coming on the podcast? You want to come back? I absolutely want to come back. Y'all are a fun group, and uh, thanks for having me. I love that I got invited. So absolutely. I'm a cool kid now. Absolutely. Is your whiskey gone? What? Is your whiskey you were sipping on gone? <laughs> it, it really. It, it is. Well, actually, ah. there's a little left. Hold on. Oh, there, there we go. go. Perfect. I was gonna say, like, you know, y'all drink tall boys. I drink whiskey because I'm, you know. I like to move quickly, like the spread offense, whereas y'all move slowly, like the pro style. So, like, oh, hopefully not that slow. We'll see you this year. We'll see you this year. No, where's the end button? <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, Leah's off permanently. This no. all sucks. <laughs> no, seriously, it was awesome having you. I really appreciate you coming on. So, perfect. Absolutely. So, we close out. Got anything? I don't know. Uh, I was going to say, we usually close out every episode with a little uh, victory polka. So if there was anything yeah. else. We We're going to be hearing this song approximately 10 to 11 to 12 to 13 <laughs> to 14 to 15 times this year. Let's go. Hell yeah. Perfect. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>